Welcome back to Living With MS. Truth Be Told, I'm your host, Marie Heron. Um, I am so very excited because today on the phone, all the way from the UK, uh, we have uh, Trishna Baharadia, um, who is recognized in the UK for her volunteer work. She's a patient advocate. Trishna has been recognized by the Prime Minister for her work raising awareness about living with multiple sclerosis and other chronic uh, conditions. And I want to say, hi, Trishna, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm just fine. And I'm so excited because, you know, when we started the podcast, we wanted it to be hope, inspiration and advocacy. And when we started looking at advocacy, I think your name came up as one of the prime examples of uh, what people can do. So let's get into this. Um, in your introduction, uh, listeners have heard a very impressive litany of your accomplishments, Um but I do have to take you back to your diagnosis and how did this all start? Well, so we think it actually started back in 2004. I lost the strength in both my hands. Mm-hmm. And I was finding it difficult to grip things, to cut up my food. I was finding it hard to ride. Um, but as is you know, very common with lots of people who eventually go on to get an MS diagnosis, at the time, it was put down to something completely different. And I was told that I had repetitive strain injury. Okay. And I was otherwise very healthy, you know, very active. Um, I didn't think anything else of it. And didn't, there wasn't any reason to question that it could be anything other than repetitive strain injury. Right. Um, but then what happened was in time that got better and then around three years later so in 2007 I completely lost the feeling down one side of my body so okay. I just, it went numb all the way from my toes up to my shoulder blade and that's really when the path to my MS diagnosis started and I went through what is a, I would say a very classic um, diagnosis path So I was sent for an MRI scan. I then had to wait for um, three months in Mm -hmm. order to repeat the MRI. Started to get other symptoms. So I was getting tingling sensations and pins and needles down my one of my arms. And when I had the repeat MRI scan, it showed that I had more lesions on my spinal cord. Right. Um, I was then sent for a lumbar puncture, which came back for oligoclonal banding. And within, um, it was actually at that point, it only took about nine months to get my definitive diagnosis. And I was given the MS diagnosis in May 2008. So it's 10 years ago now. And I was age 28 at the time. Okay. Okay. Um, And like, did you know what MS was or was this something that, uh, you know, just came out of the blue or... Um, so I'd heard of MS. I'd known a few people who had an MS. I didn't know what caused it. I didn't know the sort of the physiological side of it. Mm-hmm. All I knew was, so for example, um, my next door neighbour growing up, she had MS, but it was very, very severe, and right. she, was, she was completely housebound. And then somebody that I worked with, um, I was doing a part-time job at university, and somebody I worked with, he had MS, and he had problems with his mobility and also with dexterity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I knew of some of the symptoms. Um, I didn't really know 
that's exactly what you know exactly what was going on inside the body why those symptoms were happening right I learned a little bit more in um, actually it was in, in 2007 because my cousin um, my mum's brother's son right he was diagnosed with MS um, and again it made me sort of find out a little bit more about it but it was more, more to do with the symptoms right the actual you know what's going on in the body um sort of thing and with my cousin i mean he had optic neuritis mm-hmm. so he's mm-hmm. lost you know vision and he he basically you know he had some really aggressive relapses um had to have learn how to walk again right um and so it was well, it was very symptomatic it wasn't until i was diagnosed myself that I really came to, I really got to grips with what causes it, you know, and the fact that, you know, there's damage happening in the central nervous system, that's what's causing the symptoms. And, you know, the reason that damage is occurring is because it's an autoimmune condition and all the risk factors, all of that, that's all, you know, stuff that I learned following my own diagnosis. Right. I understand um, that your immediate family um, was very, very supportive to you. Um, and um, so if you can tell us a little bit about that, like how their support moved you forward. And I understand your twin sister was also diagnosed with MS. Is this right? Yes. So my twin sister was diagnosed, um, were identical twins. And right. she was diagnosed three years after I was. Okay. Um, and, yeah, her, having her symptoms were actually, funnily enough, were actually very similar to mine. And that's quite unusual because, um, you know, even if you're identical twins, that doesn't mean that you both end up getting, you know, developing MS. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that your symptoms are going to be the same. It's just that ours have happened to be uh, more or less the same. Um, So, yeah, my my immediate family has been incredibly supportive, uh, not just, Sort of the emotional um, and moral support side of things. They also provide a great deal of support in terms of day-to-day living. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I often say to people that the term carer is often associated with people who sort of wash, clothe, um, you know, feed you, and right. you know, physically help you move about. But actually, with a lot of chronic illnesses, MS included. That term carer actually has a much broader meaning. And so my parents in particular, you know, they help me with things like they'll help me, go, they'll go and do the shopping for me. Right. Um, they'll help me with household chores if I've got long journeys to make. You know, they'll drive me to places mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So it is very, I often say that my support network, it's, they're my enablers. They enable me to do all the things that I do. And I feel very lucky to, to have that because not everybody does. That's right. Um, and it, I think in a way it, it, it gives me strength mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I often say that life with chronic illness is, can be made so much easier when you have good, solid support around you. No, I, I agree, and I think that's a really, really important important message. I wanted to ask you, um, how has being of Asian heritage had an impact um, on your life with MS? 
Um, it's actually had a huge impact. So my um, my heritage is Indian. Um, that's where my you know my ancestors and like, have come from and stuff. My dad emigrated to the UK in the 1960s mm-hmm. from India, and my mum emigrated to the UK in the 1950s um, from Kenya because she was a Kenyan Asian. Mm-hmm. And within the Asian community, MS isn't well known. So it's right. not like something like diabetes or heart disease, which is all, you know, it's very well known and also very common in the Asian community. Um, multiple sclerosis, just, you know, most people haven't even heard of it. Right. And there's a lot of stigma and prejudice still attached to chronic illness and disability. You know, within the aging community, people don't want to talk about it. They want to sweep it under the carpet. Right. In certain ways, you know, there's, there's a feeling that if you've developed a chronic illness and or a disability, then, you know, you're not perfect. And, you know, it might harm your marriage prospects or your ability to hold down a job or bring up a family mm-hmm. or run a household. Obviously, you know, none of which, you know, is true. It is possible to do all those things. Um, but I think because of the, um, the these cultural ideals, it can make it even harder when you're diagnosed with a chronic illness or if you develop disability. You know, I've had people say to me that the MS is my own fault. It's, you know, it's karma and right. God's punishing me because I must have done something bad and they're punishing me and God's punishing me and my family. Um, and, you know, I know somebody who tells people that she's in a wheelchair because she had an accident in the gym rather than because she has MS. Right. Somehow that seems to be more acceptable um, a reason to give to the Asian community as to the reason why she's in a wheelchair. And these kinds of attitudes are still prevailing within the Asian communities in, in the UK and also, you know, in Asia as well. Right, right. And it's something which I feel really, you know, I'd be very open and honest about my, um, I, I, you know, when I speak, I give a very open and honest account of my MS because I believe that by doing so, hopefully we will start these conversations and obviously in starting the conversations, hopefully we'll be able to break down some of these um, some of these barriers and, you know, reduce some of this stigma and prejudice. You know, I, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this conversation because this is opening up a whole other area because I just, I, I, I agree with you about the Asian community. I also agree with you about other communities because for so long, this was listed as a white woman's disease and it is not a white woman's disease. It touches every nationality um and and i know what you're saying i mean i know i come from a background too where it's like you know keep everything down the down low sweep it under the rug and don't tell anybody but that's not how you get support that's not how you educate people that's not how you open up the conversation um i want to open up the conversation about all the amazing things you're doing uh, for ms research and ms advocacy and um some of the really fun things can you tell us about the uh, strictly come dancing which is sort of the equivalent of dancing with the stars here in the states yeah so strictly come dancing um it's it, 
the format is exactly the same as in the United States. It's um, you, the regular uh, main show, you have a whole host of celebrities and they're paired with professional dancers and they get to dance every week and they learn a dance and um, obviously people vote and, and things. And for the first time ever, back in 2015, the BBC, um, which does Strictly Come Dancing in the UK, they decided that in aid of Comic Relief, which is a charity that is linked to the BBC, right. they wanted to do a special four-part series of Strictly Come Dancing. And for the first time, they were going to open it up to the public. Okay. So it was going to be ordinary people. Um, and they were looking for people who had overcome adversity in their life, people who had done lots of charity work, people who had like given back lots to the community. And it was really, um, it was a way of being able to say thank you mm-hmm. for everything that they had done, but also give you know, big fans of the show, the opportunity to essentially have their dream come true. Because, right. you, know, every, you know, I'm a huge fan of the show and every week I would watch it. And I would say, oh, you know, I would say, sit down with my sister, we'd watch it together. I'd say to her, I wish I was a celebrity because <laughs> I would love to do Strictly Come Dancing. Right. You know, never in a million years thinking it would ever actually happen. Um, so when my sister heard that they were doing this um, special four-part um, series... She put in a nomination, not thinking anything was going to happen because loads of people would love to do Strictly. And they had over 11,000 nominations. Right. And they chose six people. And I was one of the six people who was chosen. Okay, so so just 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 for our listeners, you know, when I started this podcast, I said, you know, I want people to know that there is life after an MS diagnosis. So here we have Trishna, <laughs> who's living with MS and dancing on the floors, the strictly come dancing or, or strictly ballroom, um, and uh, you truly are not just living with MS; you're just dancing through <laughs> through it. So I want to thank you so much for for sharing that with us. This is an incredible story, just really good, um, and. And when you did all this, somebody noticed you and gave you an award. What happened there? Um, well, no, so I, well, back in 2013, I was actually voted, uh, well, I was actually, um, I was nominated for the MS Society Volunteer of the Year. And I actually won that award. And it was for the voluntary work that I'd done um, for the MS community right. and also specifically um, for Asian MS, which is one of the MS Society support groups, right. and the work that I'd done with the MS Society. And then after that, and um, I think that really sort of start, opened up doors um, in terms of being able to further the work that I, I do. And then since then, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've won quite a lot of awards and I've been recognised lots, in lots of places. Um, I think, the, well, the most recent has been I was um, recognised by the UK Prime Minister's Office with a Points of Light Award. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty, it's pretty, that's pretty up there. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. When I got the phone call, I was just, I was gobsmacked. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I thought, gosh, it's, you know, you do kind of think, is this, is this actually real? <laughs> yeah. For for our American and Canadian listeners, um, as you know, I'm from Scotland and Trisha, of course, obviously is in England. Um, gobsmacked is the best word ever. There's just no other word you can use when you have nothing else to say. Uh, yeah. So, you, so she gave you the Points of Light Award. 
Yeah, so, well, so I received that. I've met the Prime Minister a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, she, so um, Theresa May actually does have a link with MS because her mum had MS. Oh, maybe we'll get Theresa May on the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, she, good luck with that. She's quite busy at the moment. Yeah, I think I've heard, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, so she's, um, she's been very, um, very interested in all the things that I do and also her, con- her constituency her local constituency is actually very close to where I live and I do some of the charity work that I do is actually within her constituency so I've had the opportunity a number of times to meet her and she's always very interested in what I'm doing and she always asks you know what's what's the latest that you've been up to and I think that's really important because when um, when people who are in sort of in public office or who have very public profiles, if they have the opportunity mm-hmm. to obviously learn about what's happening and what the issues are and you know what kind of awareness raising is going on, I think that that can only be can be a good thing. It was um, so with any of the awards that I've won, I always say that it's it's not receiving the recognition it's not receiving the award because i don't do it for that what it is is it provides you with a greater platform in order to further your message mm-hmm. so um just last week i was named woman of the year at the asian achievers awards 2018 and at the award ceremony there was 800 people in the, there was over 800 people attending the award ceremony and in winning that award, every single one of those 800 people went home that night knowing a little more about MS and chronic illness. And that, for me, that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about the platform that it provides you. Um, you know, I'm, I've been in national and local and regional press. I've been on the radio, on the back of various awards that I've, um, I've been given. And again, it's about... The more that we get the word out there, the more airtime that we have, the more, you know, space we have in, you know, online or printed publications, the more people are going to read about MS and chronic illness. And again, it's about getting those conversations started. Right. And and you know that the reason I started the podcast was because I never, ever wanted anybody who was newly diagnosed to have the same fears that I had that, you know, yeah. there was nobody that I knew that had MS. So I'm going to ask you this last question. If a newly diagnosed person is listening in this morning for the first time um, and they're listening to you, what are the three pieces of advice you want to give them? Firstly, I would say... Embrace your feelings. There is no right or wrong way to react to a diagnosis. Everybody is different. And, you know, often when I speak to people who are newly diagnosed, um, they say that they don't know whether what they're feeling is or the way they're reacting, whether that's the right reaction. I always say to them that everybody is completely different. So, you know, embrace it. And, you know, don't feel that you have to fit some sort of mould. And I think that's an important way to move forward Mm -hmm. once you've obviously got your diagnosis. The next thing that I would say is don't be afraid to ask questions. 
um, there is lots of support and services out there. And particularly with technology now and social media, it, it, you know, it's possible to basically speak to someone with MS at any time of the day or night because, you know, you can connect over social media and there will be somewhere, somewhere in the world who is awake and, you know, will be able to answer your questions. And some of the best, um, some of the greatest learning that I had in the early days was sharing experiences with, with other people. Um, so yeah, I would say don't be afraid to ask, um, ask questions. And I'd say the third thing is that, so, and it was, a, it was an important thing for me in terms of accepting the diagnosis and being able to move forward. It's knowing that, yes, your life might change, but it's about adjusting to what I call new normals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's about finding ways of doing the things that you love to do but possibly in a different way. It's about shaping what is going to be the rest of your life with MS. Um, And you don't know what path that is going to take. I really believe that a lot of it is to do with how you want that path to take, how you decide to face the challenges that MS will will bring because you know we can't get away from it ms can be a really tough disease condition to live with um but through my through my advocacy work i've met so many people who are just you know they 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 have it tough but they're carrying on and they're living life and i would say find inspiration in that Mm -hmm. um you know, if somebody had said to me 10 years ago that I would have been diagnosed with a serious long-term condition um, and I would be doing the things that I'm doing now, I probably wouldn't have believed them. Right, but right, right. It's the, it's the way that, you know, my path has gone. I can quite honestly say that, you know, when people, one of the first things people say to me when I tell them that I have MS is, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I, I say, to them, say to them, you know what, don't be, because so many positive things have come out of my exactly. life. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I refuse to see it as a negative. I just can't. I'm so incredibly happy with the path that my life has taken. Right, right. And so much of it is directly to do with the MS and what I've done since that diagnosis. Um, so, yeah, I, that's what I would say, just, you know, in embrace the fact that, that you know your life might be different from what you thought it might be but that doesn't mean it has to be a bad thing it can be an incredibly good thing as well right okay i, I want to say to you thank you so much because i when i started the podcast i always used to say it's your ms uh you can manage it manage it yourself manage your ms um, and, and you're a perfect example of the person that I wanted to always have on the podcast that, 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 the, the message would go out to young people that, you know what, you're in control, <laughs> you know, and, um, you can manage this. And I want to thank you so much, uh, for taking time out of your busy day. I'm sure that, uh, there's probably a prime minister or a, uh, a, a, a 
a high po- high politician or superstar that's waiting for you for tea after <laughs> us. <laughs> you are Did such you an. Dancing actually starts again tonight. Yeah, that's what I thought. Tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I thought. No, I thought that when I saw your message, I thought, oh, cracker, she's got somewhere to go. Anyway, Trishna, thank you so much, and thank you for everything you're doing for the MS community and this amazing message that you're sending out. And uh, we'll talk soon again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right, bye. Okay, so that was another episode of Living with MS Truth Be Told. Um, I'm your host, Marie Heron. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, give me uh, an email at uh, marie at truthbetold.ca. Thank you.